Hello, and welcome to Foreign Affairs Inbox, the entirely student-run and student-produced podcast of the Elliott School of International Affairs at the George Washington University. We're your producers, Taylor Galgano and Emma Anderson, two women who will soon graduate from their respective international affairs and global communications programs. But nonetheless, believe that they are the most qualified people you could ever find to present you with a cross-cutting look on the latest trending global matters. Each month, a different student host will bring you a new expert to unpack the hashtags you see in your news feeds. Inspired? Curious? Want to hear us chat about a topic you're interested in? Slide into our DMs at Elliott School GW on Twitter or Instagram. We're literally always on our phones, perusing for new content, so we will absolutely reply. Hi there, I'm your host, Zoe Kosniers. Today's episode of Foreign Affairs Inbox will unpack the recent protests in Hong Kong and analyze what these events mean for the international community. I'm honored to be joined by Professor Robert Sutter, the Director of the International Affairs Program at the Elliott School of International Affairs at GW. He's an expert in Asian and Pacific Affairs and U.S. foreign policy and published 21 books and over 200 articles. He worked for the government as the National Intelligence Officer for East Asia and as the professional member of the Senate of Foreign Relations Committee. Welcome. So to kick things off, social movements and protests have gone on for years in Hong Kong. Why are they escalating now? This is a very peculiar situation. We really don't know why these have emerged at this point. There's a sense of cumulative frustration, I think, in Hong Kong and worry. They're very worried that the trends that you see in the People's Republic of China, which controls Hong Kong, that these, uh, these trends will lead to a, a diminution of their rights. The catalyst for the protest was a law that was prepared by the authorities in Hong Kong, which were seen as responsive to Beijing's concerns and which would have restricted rights of people in Hong Kong some, uh, more than people in Hong Kong can tolerate. And so we have these demonstrations. Since 1997, the people of Hong Kong have lived a freer and more cosmopolitan life than the people on mainland China. How do you think rights in Hong Kong have been eroded over the past few years? And do you think the principle of one country, two systems has been challenged? Yes, I think it has been challenged. I think that's widely felt in Hong Kong. And that's one of the causes of these protests. It's important to keep in mind that prior to 1997, Hong Kong was a colony of uh, Great Britain. And so people there had lots of rights and they thought they would retain them under the rule of the uh, People's Republic of China. But the People's Republic of China has eroded them to some degree. It's a gradual sort of process. It hasn't been dramatic in many cases, but you reach these turning points. And apparently the new law that the authorities in Hong Kong wanted to institute was a turning point and leads to uh, more demonstrations. If I could just add here, history is quite important in understanding this situation. The people of Hong Kong are subject to a deal that the British government made with the Chinese in the 1980s. And that deal basically left the future of Hong Kong up to the the government of China to determine once the transfer of power is taking place. Uh, So Hong Kong has always been subjected to this tremendous legal background uh, that means that their future is very much going to be determined by Beijing. And periodically it dawns on them in a major way and they become very anxious about it because of the erosion of their rights. Now I'd like to discuss the actions of the police force in Hong Kong. Do you believe the response of both the police force and the protesters have been appropriate 
given the recent shutdown of the Hong Kong International Airport, which is one of the world's busiest. Obviously, this is something that people will answer depending on their perspective. The protesters in Hong Kong obviously think this is uh, justified, but there is a good deal of violence, and this is very much disrupting the uh, international communications between uh, Hong Kong and the rest of the world. It's very bad for business. And so others in Hong Kong would probably have a different view of this. The police obviously have a different view, as do the authorities in Hong Kong and the government in Beijing. They all think this is very bad. I personally am very sympathetic with the people in Hong Kong. I think they have a very difficult situation. I'm sort of sad about it because I don't think a lot can be done in the longer term about this. Hong Kong legally is under the control of Beijing. This was signed by the British. The international community recognizes this. And so this is like an uprising inside China. And when you uprise inside China and the People's Republic of China, they crack down. And so really isn't much the world can do about it. And this is one of those kinds of situations, unfortunately. Now that we've discussed the responses of the police force, how has the Chinese government responded to the protests in Hong Kong? They've been moderate. When they had protests in China, as we all remember, in Beijing and other cities in 1989, they had a violent crackdown using the military. Uh, They're obviously not doing that. We had a demonstration, a series of demonstrations in Hong Kong, uh, the so-called Umbrella Movement in 2014, I believe it was. And there, the, uh, Beijing uh, adopted a step-by-step uh, iterative process, allowed the authorities in Hong Kong to do the job that they were keeping order. And Beijing was behind it. And the authority of Beijing was there. And the government in Hong Kong was moving in a direction that Beijing supported. Uh, Presumably what they were doing in this new law that they were proposing, the the authorities in Hong Kong, what they were doing in this new law was also something Beijing supported and the people of Hong Kong rose up against it. Whether this would have a lasting effect is very hard to know. I think Beijing is going to be inclined to reassert control. It will probably be done through the Hong Kong police and the Hong Kong government, but Beijing will demand that law and order be maintained in Hong Kong. And officials in Beijing have called the protesters' actions close to terrorism. China has already amassed over 100 armored personnel vehicles several miles from Hong Kong. Do you think that the Hong Kong protests could turn into another Tiananmen Square? It could, but I don't think that's what Beijing wants to do. I think the Umbrella Movement is a better historical example of how they handled this kind of situation. But if the protests continue for many months, it's been going on for two months now, maybe longer, this might change Beijing's calculus. But in recent weeks, I think we can see Beijing being more cautious, certainly more cautious than they were at Tiananmen, and I think that's likely to continue. What do you think will be the tipping point for China to intervene in Hong Kong, and what implications will this have? One tipping point is if it doesn't stop. If the protests continue and the violence continues, the disruption continues, this is bad for business, bad for stability. It sets a very bad example for other dissident groups inside the People's Republic of China. And I think then they would feel they have to crack down. But I think that their history, recent history in the Umbrella Movement showed they were relatively satisfied with the outcome of that calming down and moving in directions that the the Beijing government was supportive of, of what was happening in Hong Kong. 
Whether we can get back to that after these several months of demonstrations in Hong Kong is hard to know at this point. I think I don't think tomorrow Beijing is going to invade. I think it would have to go much longer before they would take that drastic step. There are many other factors that you need to think about when you're thinking about Beijing's calculus, because they they not only have the Hong Kong situation, they have all sorts of issues they have to deal with. And the most notable one meaning the president of the United States and the tough U.S. policy toward China. So now looking at the bigger picture, what do you believe is the future of pro-democracy movements and democracy as a hegemonic power in the world order? Well, I never think of democracy as a hegemonic power. I always think of it's more benign. It involves participation of all people, and I really hope it does well in the world. I would have to say, though, the situation in international affairs is pretty uh, negative. Uh, the developments of the strongman politics and all, in all corners of the world has uh, eroded democracy and its attractiveness. Looking at Asia in places that I look at closely, uh, you see uh, turning back uh, in places like uh, Thailand. You see a real total dominance of strongman rule in a place like Cambodia. And so lack of real progress toward democracy in Burma, Myanmar. This is very depressing. And so what's happening in Hong Kong is the loss of this democratic uh, power they had and that's likely to continue under the existing circumstances. So in your opinion, what has caused this trend that we're seeing in strongman politics and authoritarianism? I'm not sure how to generalize about this because it, uh, I've spent time visiting Turkey, big change toward strongman rule in Turkey, same in Thailand and various other places, and places I haven't visited. So it's very hard for me to give a general point here, except that there's a willingness on the part of popular groups, because most of these strong men, at least initially, are elected by popular vote. And the populations seem to be unhappy with the various uh, circumstances. The economy is bad, the society is disorganized, and I assume they uh, feel that an authoritarian ruler will be able to deal with these things more effectively than democracies. Democracies, as we know, are very messy, quite messy on Capitol Hill right now. So it's, uh, we all understand that. And so perhaps there's this impatience with the circumstances and you need drastic action to change it. And a strongman ruler can do that. So what do you think the implications are in light of these Hong Kong protests on the trend toward authoritarianism? Well, unfortunately, I think that the control that Beijing has over the Hong Kong situation now is such that it's going to lead to the failure of these protests and the setback for democratic sentiment in the world. I think it's a very difficult situation for the protesters in Hong Kong to have a lasting impact on their, on their future, given the determination of the Beijing authorities to maintain a very strong rule. And so they're running up against that. I'm not optimistic that this is going to work out very well for these protesters. And what I hope happens is that whatever is resolved here is done in a way that isn't grossly uh, contrary to human rights which I think is plausible. 
but the idea that this is going to be good for democracy in the world, I find this uh, this is a bad place for this to, to happen. I think that uh, if it was happening in some other country that didn't have this strong security apparatus that is determined to stay in power, you're running up against Xi Jinping, and this person has uh, become a, a more strongman ruler than we've seen in China since Mao Zedong. And he has uh, this enormous security apparatus behind him, plus information, operations, all sorts of levers of power that he can use. So this is really a David and Goliath story of the first order, and this David is really weak, and his slingshot doesn't work real well, and he doesn't have big stones. So I think it's just going to look bad for those that are concerned about democracy in the world. So just to clarify, you think that this has made democracy look bad in our current world order? It's going to look weak here and because the realities of power are so overwhelming, it seems to me, that the outcome of this situation will not look good for those interested in democracy. Let's take the governments for a concern, the United States government. What are they actually going to do if there's a, a gradual reassertion of authority in Hong Kong? What did they do after the umbrella movement? They did very little. And I think that's probably what's going to happen in this case. What can you do? This is a very difficult situation. Look at the situation in Xinjiang. I don't want to change the subject here, but this is a gross violation of human rights. Look what they're doing, what Beijing is doing. And what is the world doing about that? Not much. So I think that this is a trend that I, it's unfortunate, but I think it's an obvious trend. As a previous British colony, does the United Kingdom have an obligation to act? They have an obligation to act, and I think that they take it seriously in the UK, but they're realistic too. What can they do? If you become overly involved with this sort of thing, it could make the crackdown even worse. So this is something that governments have to take into account when they think about these kinds of situations. In recent protests, some individuals have held American flags. What do you think the significance of this is? Well, as an American, I'm sort of glad they still think the United States supports democracy and would support them. I think this is really good in that sense. Uh, but I'm sad because I don't know what we can deliver for them, what the United States can deliver for them. I think emphasized in my talk, the limitations of this are pretty strong, it seems to me. So most people may be disappointed. And the people at Tiananmen, remember, they created a Statue of Liberty, and they were disappointed. And so I think this is a very difficult situation. I'm sorry to be so pessimistic about this, but I do think realities have to be brought into play. And when you're dealing with the People's Republic of China, you're dealing with an expert administration that knows how to use power and knows how to get the people of their country to believe they are the best. And most of the people in China believe this. And so that's what they want the people in Hong Kong to be, like that. And the people of Hong Kong want to do it their way. And that's a big problem. And Beijing will work hard to make sure that gets squelched. Do you think that that's directly threatening to the U.S. and the power of the U.S.? No, I don't think it's directly threatening the power of the U.S. Because if it were, then there would be a much stronger response. I think this is something that the U.S. recognizes that legally this is not within their purview. This is a, a legal—China legally has control of Hong Kong. And so the U.S. can't really challenge that directly. 
Uh, it's uh, what you're dealing with is that you're challenging an internal affair of, a, of another country. We do this. The, the U.S. government does this at various times. Uh, but uh, in the end, that government still has authority over those, uh, of those, over those people. Does the U.S. as a leading democratic nation have any type of role in the Hong Kong protests? It has a role for sure. There's a law. The U.S. The Congress passed a law in 2000, I believe it was, about registering their concerns about Hong Kong and its future. So the Congress takes this quite seriously. Most members of Congress that I'm following have made speeches or made remarks uh, criticizing the authorities in Hong Kong and uh, supporting the um, protests, at least what they want. But that's pretty much the extent of it. Given the atmosphere in U.S.-China relations, which is very strongly negative at this point, it's quite plausible that the United States might apply sanctions to China on this issue. If there was a violent crackdown, I'm sure they would, just as happened after Tiananmen. There were a whole big series of uh, adverse actions against the Chinese government that tended to be economic in orientation and against other things as well. So I think there would be some action there. But the bottom line is, I'm not sure how big an impact that's going to have on the Chinese authorities if they feel that they're a coercive move against the protesters is warranted. So it's a matter of principle that the United States will support this, and I think they will, And but actually doing something to support the people in Hong Kong, I think it's very hard to figure out what you can do that will actually make a positive difference for them. That was really interesting. Thank you so much, Professor Sutter, for joining us today. Well, thank you for this opportunity. I appreciate it. Like what you've heard? Don't forget to follow us on Spotify, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, and most importantly, link your friends. I'm Emma Anderson. And I'm Terry Algano, and thank you for tuning in to this month's episode.